to everyone yelling and then start the recording. Hello and welcome everyone to Peace On. So nice to see everybody. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Beasts, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who's also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace and Schools lead. And our special guest today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Ari Cowan. Ari has quite a long history with the Beasts Alliance and has been doing extraordinary work throughout his career to build nonviolence and, and create peace. So Ari, why don't you come up and say hello to everyone. Can you come off mute and say hello? I can say hello, I'm off mute. There you are, thank you. He just wanted you to say hello. That's nice to see you as always. Um, but before we get started with your story, I'd like to invite Yelena to lead us all in a meditation and bring us in together. Yana. Welcome, everyone. Good to be with you here. Um, and good afternoon, good evening, if you're listening to this on a podcast. I welcome Yelena, you as well. Your, your, Yana, your mute is still marked, although we can hear you, but it's very, the sound is being distorted. Can you distorted. hear me? There you go. Yes, but the sound yeah. is being distorted. Right? So... I don't know. Try. Hold on. Is it better now? Maybe. I'm not sure. It, it okay. sounds fine to me. It sounds very good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> very good. Thanks. Okay. Um, let's try this again. Um, welcome, everyone. And um, no matter where you are and when you're listening to this podcast, I want to welcome you and invite you into a moment of um, stillness. Um, and finding a way to settle and invite your body um, into a posture that feels comfortable in this moment. You're welcome to close your eyes or have your eyes open. Um, whatever, whatever feels um, suiting this moment. And I will just gently guide you for a few moments to settling. Yeah. Perhaps finding welcoming, welcoming yourself to this moment, ease, softness, gentleness. Now bringing attention to the sensation of breathing. And if breath is not accessible to you in this moment, perhaps finding the soles of your feet. Right. 
just allowing relaxed awareness, inviting yourself to practice. Mindfulness is an act of gentleness. It's an act of compassion. What parts of you need softening at this moment? Where can you decouple strain from your attention? And welcome yourself into this moment by softening your mind, your body, heart, spirit. Just giving yourself permission to be in this moment without a shame, guilt, or judgment. Just allowing this moment to be what it is. Noticing if there is anything arising, any sensations, any emotional tone. Just inviting gentleness, softening. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Nothing to get. No one to be. Gentleness is our practice. Gentleness to yourself. These people call allowing a few more breaths to nourish you. 
encourage you to invite movement and perhaps even gentle rocking prior to even opening your eyes to, uh, to finish, conclude this practice and engage into a practice of listening to Ari's story. Welcome, Ari. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start a stopwatch so I know when to stop. Hold a second. There we go. Um, I'm delighted to be here. And uh, what I'm going to talk about is um, my uh, understanding of meditation. I'm in the midst of completing a book um, called 12 Compassion Meditations. I've written other books, mostly academic type books, um, how it affects the brain and my experience with meditation and um, about what happens when uh, you meditate and it, it provides the foundation for unexpected results. And I'll talk about that. Uh, the way in which I use meditation terms are like this. Meditation itself is a focus with presence with no thinking or evaluating and things like mindfulness meditation or meditating on clearing your mind or walking meditation, I think would fall into this. Then contemplative medi uh, meditation is where you focus on specific points, often with the expressed desire for an outcome. So you think about it. So if you're saying, may all beings be safe in your meditation, may all beings be sheltered, that's contemplative meditation. And tangential to that is reflection. And I think that's very important to be able to look at uh, the subject of your meditation and consider it, and to, to look at it and say, well, what is going on here? What is my part in this? Uh, what do I think about this? And it's so important, this process, because it affects our brain. We're homo sapiens. Um, we've been wandering around on the earth for a while. And our relationship to the earth has changed drastically. You probably notice we're not burning witches anymore. Well, uh, we've changed our minds about that. Uh, you notice that women are getting more rights than they had before, where it was a time they were chattel, they were property. Well, we've changed our minds. We've thought about it and uh, reprogrammed how we, we see the world, as difficult as that may be uh, for some people. So meditation changes the brain and it's been confirmed by studies. And it also enhances the connection between areas of the brain. So our brains are more integrated. Uh, it helps relieve our subjective levels of anxiety and depression and uh, improves attention, concentration, and our overall psychological well-being. I mean, I can be such a space cadet and be all over the walls and uh, thank creation for meditation because it uh, didn't save me completely, as I'm sure I'll demonstrate during this presentation, but it certainly has improved things. Um, it shifts how we experience being in the world. 
And that's very dramatic to me. And that's a response to things that we find in our daily lives and affairs. And I'll be talking about the issue of violence where we uh, traditionally have looked upon violent people as evildoers and so on. And it was through meditation that I uh, had a change of mind and heart. Uh, and it helps us arrive at hitherto unforeseen solutions uh, to life's challenges. And that's what happens happened to me. And um, before I go in what to what happened there, uh, I'll let you know, I started meditating when I was 13. And uh, my mother was a yogi and uh, meditated and a rather remarkable woman born at the wrong time. Her parents only had enough money to send her uh, older sister university and there was no money for her. And being a woman in the 1940s, not a lot of options. So she became a beautician, a woman with, who graduated from high school at 16, brilliant, the top of her class. She was a beautician. So my background was I came from a military family. I came out, as uh, Kathy Arside knows, uh, from a, a quite violent uh, childhood. And my father had PTSD from World War II. He was a decorated tank commander in North Africa, Italy, and the Battle to Free uh, Luxembourg City in 1945. Um, my focus was on pursuing a military career and I'd gone through the preliminary steps to contact uh, my senator um, to uh, go to the US Air Force Academy. And I had some early uh, training uh, for uh, post-academy uh, service as a pilot. So at age 14, I began the training and age 15, I was uh, flying with an instructor in a Air Force jet aircraft. And uh, you've probably heard of Top Gun. This is what my kids say. Uh, they say, our dad wasn't in that. He was in Mediocre Gun. Girls didn't like him. He, you know, he couldn't play volleyball. Uh, I didn't raise him correctly. Uh, I got into the work and violence and received the 1998 National Public Award from the Physicians for Social Responsibility, which is the U.S. affiliate of the International Physician Organization that received the 1985 Nobel Peace Prize. And um, so I was back in Washington, D.C. for that, and that was really wonderful. And I came home and I realized that the only thing that I had done was to cleverly rehash the traditional view of violence. And I was quite upset. I, I was ticked off. I thought, well, you know, what a waste of time. I've done nothing. I've gone nowhere. Um, this is ludicrous. My life is meaningless. You know, <laughs> lots of high drama. And I decided that, you know, I, I cleverly applied conventional thinking to this issue of violence. And my work was no different than others who had had little success in eliminating violence. So I was pretty put off and I decided that I would find another line of work. And it was enormously liberating. I felt great, I went to bed, slept well, got up in the morning, went to take my shower and it came all at once. Enough so that I was knocked down in the shower, was on my knees, uh, muttering to myself, 
it was right in front of me and I didn't see it. It was right in front of me, you know, what an idiot. Um, I've since given up that sort of pejorative uh, commentary about myself and anybody else. Um, so uh, I'd been looking at violence as from a traditional model, which is punitive. People who are violent are bad people. Violence is bad. Uh, people should be um, punished for as, which is what we do. We lock them up in cages and so on because they're bad people. And uh, I realized that for the last, uh, for a long time, that we'd been seeing violence this way. And what if it wasn't a moral issue? What if it was a public his, uh, health issue? So I wrote down the following. I wrote, it's not about hatred, getting even what anyone deserves, settling scores, making an examples, punishing some and comforting others, making anyone pay exclusion or wiping anyone out. It's about restoration, healing, making everyone whole, wiping out the disease, not those afflicted with it. Restoring those deprived by violence to their place in the world. It's about ending the 5,000 year old way we see and deal with violence. This also struck me as Ray, a bit arrogant. Here I am already had the evening before having given up on this. And now I'm gonna go tell the world that they may have made a mistake. I didn't think this was gonna go well. So I spent the next months with uh, notepads all over my house, uh, looking at uh, writing down what became the Violence Integrated Prevention and Restoration Model. And there's, uh, you can find this on the International Center for Compassion Organizations websites. There are white papers on it and so forth. And this model was demonstrated at a level five maximum security prison in Washington state, the place where they house the 900 most violent people they can catch. And um, it's, uh, they have 900 men incarcerated there. And we had done uh, preliminary teaching of their uh, staff in uh, minimum par model concepts and practices. And the associate superintendent, Jan Aldana, who was just an absolutely wonderful man, uh, requested to, he wanted permission to do a preliminary PAR model training using staff and instructors. And so um, uh, we, ha we had done that. And then he wanted to have those people uh, train any staff and volunteers among the offenders who wanted to take it. I didn't like this idea because he is not fully trained. He was gonna uh, uh, use my model incorrectly. He was gonna wreck, wreck uh, or get terrible results and wreck my uh, uh, reputation and no deal. But he is a very silver tongued man. And he, he, he convinced me, no, 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 we'll own up if, if nothing works. And so we set a goal. Okay, if you're gonna do this and you have no sustainability elements in this, what do you think? What are the results going to be? And we decided two and a half percent reduction in violence would be huge in terms of costs and the 200 offenses that were happening every month. And so this would be great and maybe as high as 5%. So in uh, following Thanksgiving in um, 
2005. And he was impressed because I told him what day the violence, the days of violence would increase. And he said, what are they? And I said, they're the three days before Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving day, the maximum experience of loss of power because the issue is power among the offenders and they're gonna act out and they did. So that's why you want to do this after Thanksgiving. And um, so they, uh, uh, they had 300 volunteers and all the staff volunteer for it, um, uh, I think in November. And, um, uh, but I didn't learn the results until early 1986, the following year. I called him and said, how did it go? And John said, well, I'm not talking to you. And I said, I can, I can see that, but what's up? And he says, I'm not supposed to talk to you. We're waiting for people from uh, Olympia, the state capital, to come up and from the University of Washington come out here and look at this. I said, aha, two and a half percent. We got our two and a half percent. And he just laughed and he says, we're not having this conversation. And I said, yeah, I, I can see that. I'll talk to you later. And so he called me up. And the first thing he said to me is, you'd better sit down. So I sat down. I said, don't tell me it's 5%. And he says, no, it's not 5%. It's 100%. It all stopped. And I said, that, that's, that, that's impossible. How many people went through the program? 300. Well, you have 900 offenders. And he says, you didn't factor critical mass in. And I thought, I never even thought about it. So the results, which he, uh, in his report said they had a 100% reduction in violent incidents, zero infractions, zero log confrontations, the offenders were cooperative with their amnesty program, turning in contraband, excess state clothing. I guess they were stealing state clothing, books, materials, and a tattoo gun. They reduced gambling in the day room. They had zero overtime costs for program implementation delivery. And Clallam Bay Correction Center managed multiple work and education programs, activities, and regular security routines or normal operations throughout the event week. So we got ready to go with this. We were able to secure the promise of funding from a large trust in the United Kingdom, but that was 2008 and the economy crashed and everything dried up and went away. So that was, um, that was disappointing, economies crashing. So that's what happened there. Um, one of the things I wanted to point, we use a thing called the five P's. I don't know if you can see this, but it's a card that's handed to people that says when you come upon um, an episode of violence that you pause, you check out to see how you're infected or affected. We treat it as a disease. You, second thing is you do a present, look at the presentation, see those expressing negative emotions in terms of presenting with symptoms. Third is what is the power issue? The negative emotions come from an experience from loss of power. What is that issue? And then we do a power swap. We replace that experience of loss of power with positive, uh, with uh, healthy power after invalidating the unhealthy power. And then we continue following up with power infusion. Fusion. And I had an experience where I came across someone was about who's about six foot four and had all the tattoos, tortoise, tattoos, and white supremacist stuff. And uh, 
he was very aware of what I had done. And he came up to me and he said, so you're the fricking smart ass who came up with it. So words to that effect. And I was doing something called the interactive mapping. How was he showing? If he's wanting to commit an act of violence against me, just do it. What is this conversation about? It is about power. He's going to demonstrate how powerful he is. He's going to frighten me. Uh, it's just going to be woefully terrible. So what do you do? He said, are you freaking smart enough to know that I can take your freaking head off? I, 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 I admit I admired his vocabulary. And uh, so what do you do when you do? You can run or you can fall and grab a pant leg and say, please don't hurt me or whatever else like that. These are patterns in his brain that he's familiar with. And we're running a script, a series of social patterns that we've learned since birth. So I need to disrupt that. I need to introduce something his brain is not prepared to see. So I stepped into him and looked up and said, dude, take my head off. I'm an old guy. There are four-year-old girls that can take my head off. And he was wonderful. He had this idiomotor response where he kept doing this, trying to get his brain on track, his eyes dilated. He had no pattern for this. And I said, if that were a serious threat, and that's the trial balloon, I said, and I was getting that from somebody, and you were here, you could probably save my butt. There's the power swap. Am I right or am I wrong? Are you going to choose the kind of wimpy power or the really good power? And he says, yeah, I could probably save your butt. And I said, do you get how important people like you are. I bet if something went south in this yard, you and you know two or three other guys could shut this down. And he said, yeah, probably. And I said, man, you need to wake up with what you got. And his response to me was, well, I hadn't thought about it. And I said, well, I think you better start thinking about it. And he says, well, yeah. You, have you had lunch? You want to have lunch? You will notice my head is still on top of my shoulders. Well, that's an example of a, a power swap, which is uh, when I taught teachers at a conference in Houston, uh, it takes about 55 minutes for people to get their head around it. And one teacher stood up and she was shaking. She said, this is like classroom Kung Fu. And I said, yeah, it is. Your students aren't going to know what hit them. So, and I've done this in schools. Uh, now, one of the uh, principal focus areas of our work at the International Center for Compassionate Organizations including, uh, includes programs that we do using this technique. For example, one of the groups we do the program for, for is the U.S. State Department's International Visitor Leadership Program. And we've had more than 20 countries participate. They've come out here or we've done it via Zoom. Uh, from Israel to Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, so on. And so uh, it's getting out there. Um, so the um, difficulty with this is just, and I think the difficulty with um, that uh, organizations like the Peace Alliance can find is that it takes time to make this change. And it always starts with a very small group of people who are crazy enough to stick with it, to overcome it. It, it. it just, and I'll finish with it. It reminds me of Louis Pasteur when he argued that disease was call, caused by uh, 
uh, microscopic pathogens. And he ran into uh, problems for um, more than a decade uh, through the 1870s and into the 1880s. Well, um, we face that too, but I can assure you um, that we're going to win. Well, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. Thank you, Ariety, David, dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much um, for your amazing story. I'm always touched to hear it. And Liz, Yelena, before we go to breakouts, is there any particular thought that we want to send with people? Um, Yelena, something came up for me as he told his story today. So I'd like to just preface it with a very brief story before we send you into the breakouts. Um, Ari, what came up for me when I was a teacher, the very first day of class, I would say to my students, um, school works because most of you do most of what I ask most of the time. But if you ever decided not to, there is nothing I can do. And they said, what? And I said, you are very powerful. I said, if you decide not to do what I ask, there is nothing I can do. And they said, what do you mean? I said, if I say everybody open up to page 137 and you decide not to, there's nothing I can do. And so I said, so what we need to talk about here is how we wanna use our power together in this classroom, right? And so, um, and then the image that came up for me at that time was I thought about Harry Potter and I used to say to them, you know, when you meet Harry Potter, there's, there was no one who was less powerful or less loved. He was in a, he was a child of murder victims. He was in this place where he was actively mistreated, yet he was greatly loved and greatly powerful. He just hadn't found that spot yet. And I used to say to my students, as you find your place of power, I will be your source of love. And so to me, what I would love maybe for us to go into the rooms with an inquiry is that idea of that power swap, that power offering to someone. I thought of it as what I call escape velocity, right? I use the term escape velocity, right? When you're in jet rocketry, they need this boost of power to escape whatever's holding them down. Um, I love that you call it the power swap. I used to call it escape velocity. I said, I'm gonna try to give you enough love to create the escape velocity. So I would love to maybe talk about, uh, you know, you, you can take his, his story as you like, but if we could talk about those times when either we offered someone that power, or someone offered us that power that lifted us. And if we could figure out how to amplify that, we talked about application yesterday in the call, how we could amplify that in a larger call. So as an inquiry, I'm gonna to try to say it quickly. Um, you know, what are those times when either someone offered you that power that lifted you or you offered someone that power or how you can think with that, those people in your group, how we could do that to amplify and radiate that power out. Very good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Liz. All right. Well, Yelena is driving today because I'm away from home and on an iPad. So um, she's setting up the breakouts and we'll be back in a few minutes, uh, 15 minutes. I'm not clear what the question is. Um, was there a time when you were either offered um, or empowered in a way that made you feel you could act in a different way or you offered or empowered someone so they could act from their best self and how we could amplify that. Thank you. Of course. Thanks, Bonnie.
Carolyn, are you here? Yes, and I can't find the right button to push. Oh. Did you get an invitation, a little pop-up saying join breakout room number? Oh, oh. there she is. <laughs> Hello, friends. Oh, my God. I oh, welcome back, everyone. I see some really happy faces, some interested, interesting faces. Who'd like to share? Come off mute and share what happened in your room. What's bubbling up for you right now? Well, Ari used the phrase to infect the population with well-being. <laughs> I love that concept. Mm. And it reminds me of tipping point and a disease that um, we carry germs with us all the time. It's only when we get exhausted that the, the germs explode and make us sick. Well, the, the other way goes too. I mean, the, the, the germ of nonviolence can explode also and make us well. Yeah. I love that, David. Thank you. Who else would like to share? Feel free to come off mute. What's bubbling up for you? Charles. <clears throat> David, maybe like in in as like breeds like and ari um you reminded me very much of uh, a guy named father greg boyle i'm not real familiar with him but it's like homeboys something in los angeles he's like the gang guy and um one more something like love is the cure love is the cure for hate tony mcaleer mm. um white supremacist who mm -hmm. changed from being a white supremacist to being like love is secure or something. So those are just two things that I wanted to mention. And Ari, I really super love the stuff you said. Just, you know, wonderful. So such good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Love is the cure. Mm -hmm. Who else would like to share? I would share, but I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best kind of people to share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my heart is just really full, and I appreciate being here. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you for joining us. Come back again. One of the phrases that we like, we put on a bumper sticker. Oh. Oh. Wait, relentless compassion. Yeah. That's and that's, uh, yeah. And uh, so when people think it's a bunch of namby, pamby, touchy-feely stuff, excuse me, step out of the way. We've got business to conduct here. <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah. 
I was thinking because uh, uh, some of the things that David was saying that uh, there have been other movements such as, let me see, Christianity that started with a small group of people. And it seems to have done rather well over the last couple of thousand years. You know, and what, what do you have, 12 disciples? Looks like we're just about there, you know, except each of us is the bearer of the good tidings. So, yeah, I, I have great confidence that this will help, that this will happen on a greater and greater scale. I think everybody's getting worn out with catching everybody at evil and doing evil things and all this. I think things are about to change. Yeah. I, I like to affirm that they already have changed. We just don't know it yet. And what gets reported in the mainstream media is still the old news. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We need the critical mass, David and yeah. Ari and everyone. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And mainstream media, remember Edward R. Murrow's comments in 1957 when the networks decided to go to advertising and news, saying this will completely corrupt what news is. News, instead of being about news, is about selling advertising. Mm. And that's what news is. Mm. Biden rips into such and such. You go to the story set and, and Biden's quote is, I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like, whatever. But I think this is uh, uh, something people can do is write, write articles, write letters and stuff that get published. And we're about to here is to start really firing all, all, all this to do this. So enough of me talking. I'd love to hear from others. <laughs> yeah, we have time for one more share. Kathy put in the Are chat. We, she wonders, yeah. wonders where your book is coming out. Ari, when is your book coming out? Oh, my book should be out in December. I'm, I'm uh, going through it now, and it's different as a meditation book, but it encompasses the notion of the five bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, situational, and transpersonal, and uh, it dials in contemplation about what is happening of these 12 things. May all beings be safe. May all beings be sheltered. May all beings be nourished. May all beings... Uh, 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 be healthy, may all beings free, be freed of the self-imposed fetters uh, that bring about suffering their own and the suffering of others. May all beings uh, uh, know, uh, uh, be, be and be the recipient of compassion. May all beings love, respect, and accept themselves as they are. May all beings uh, uh, cultivate and embody wisdom. May all beings be loved. May all beings be happy. May all beings awaken. May all beings find liberation. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to have to explain what all that stuff means. It's a beautiful list. I yeah. love it. It's the meditation I've been doing for more than 20 years. Before that, I was doing the one that David was making an instrument of your love, making, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it'll be out. And then I, I have several other books uh, coming out, including Compassion and the Alchemy of Being, 
which talks about this and that same model. And then the one that will get me into just enormous trouble is called compassion and the metaphysics of management. And these <laughs> are all well along the way. And where I'll argue, if you're a manager that is uh, working to include profits, you're not a manager, you're a parasite. Managers manage to improve the health and well-being of all sentient beings, where profits, like having phones or a computer or a building, are a necessary component, but they're not what this should be about. Mm -hmm. So I'm about, I will get all sorts of flack about that. But Jane Dutton at uh, uh, University of Michigan is a big supporter of my heresy. So. Oh, good. We look forward to all of that. Those are coming, and I hope you'll um, uh, stay tuned on our website because we'll and and uh, connected with the uh, International Center for Compassionate Organizations on Facebook because we paste the things there and see our our video on compassion, which so is it's ICCO, correct? Gonna yeah, be found or that International way. Center for Compassionate Organizations. Okay, yeah. and, and the website is is uh, uh, compassionate dot center. Okay, great. Yeah. I also put some links in the chat for Peace Alliance things. The yeah. um, Peace Alliance website is peacealliance.org. We have a blueprint for peace with one cell, one swipe. You can let all of your elected officials know that you support policies related to violence reduction yeah, and really peacemaking, cool. peace building. Um, we also are in the small nonprofit. We accept donations of any size. We're grateful. And um, the calendar of events is there. So you can find all the things that we're doing, including our cool story circles. And we hope that you all come back again. We have some really terrific speakers coming up the next few months. We're excited. And Ari, we're just so grateful that you were here today. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful that you had me here. Thank you. And Liz, do you want to wrap it up for us? Um, yeah, I was, I just want to share a very short version of something that came up in when we were, when you guys were in your breakout rooms. Most Thursdays, I do this thing, I've done it for nine years, where I throw a tea party in Bryant Park with China and everything and all are welcome. And, and we haven't been every week since COVID, but this week is when we established that that's what we were going to do. We were back to our old pattern. We feel safe enough. And someone approached, someone who's some level of unhoused, approached our table, um, I'm guessing to ask for money. And he saw my face and he said, not you, I'm afraid of you. And that's not a response I've ever gotten. And he said, you look like my teacher. He said, and she failed me. He said, I was good at everything but algebra and she failed me. And, and this was not a young man. And, and my heart just went, and I don't know what this year's events that left from him failing algebra to him ending up where he was. But I thought he did not, uh, there was not a single system he found or found him that healed him. I love that you talked about healing systems, right? But when I look at all the people on this call, I love what you said, right? We're reaching critical mass, right? You're right, David. I just want us to think about, Yellen is doing beautiful work in schools. We're, there's all this beautiful work. So what I'd love for us to think in the next two weeks is how separately and together we create these webs uh, that we need to make visible so that, um, so that people like this beautiful man, and we did reach out to him and my friends did help some level that they could, right? But, but I will never forget that interaction 
uh, and I don't want to forget that interaction. And if we could move forward thinking about doing that work of healing the systems, right? So that uh, no one has that experience again. Um, so I really want to thank you, Ari, for your story. As always, I thank Terry and Yelena and all of you who choose to spend your time with us. Um, I love you all. And I look forward to seeing you in, in uh, two weeks. Yes. Thank Everybody you. Everybody feel free to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye, thank everybody. you, Ari. Thank you, you Ari. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And Dave. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.